It's not talking about me. (laughs) Well, hopefully you're doing well. And yeah, let's pray before I start. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the message that you've given me today. And I, I pray that I deliver it just as it comes straight from the Father's heart. And I just pray, Lord, that everybody here will get touched and um, it will speak personally to everyone. That will be impacted, challenged and encouraged. Amen. So I've titled today's message, Stop Doing Life Without God's Help. Now I know probably throughout my life I've um, tried to do things by myself, my own way, my own time. And, you know, definitely by myself lots of the time. And I think that um, we all have a tendency to do that. Now, if you don't agree with me, I'm a mother of three. We have nine grandchildren. And I just know how little ones are. You know, they, they, if you, um, you've ever seen a little one, you know, when they get their spoon and they figure out for the first time that they can feed themselves. It's like, yeah, you'll get food probably in the hair, just about everywhere. But they are determined they're going to do it all by themselves, even though they mess up. So I reckon we were all like that probably very early on and maybe even some of us now. (laughs) But it is our independent, built-in nature. So if you think back to a time, maybe you didn't have to do something new that you'd never done before. Maybe just do, I don't know, any kind of job. Um, But you think that you know how to do it and it's all going to work out okay. But then all of a sudden you realise that you can't do it. In our own times or in those times using our own minds, we try to figure out what went wrong and how we can fix it. This is all because of that independent, rebellious nature that God gave to us. He created us to use our own free will. So if you read read right back in Genesis, God blessed Adam and Eve with the power to think for themselves. You see, God created them in his own image. And you and me as well. But he created Adam and Eve to to love and to look after everything on earth. But to use their own power, well, their own um, mind to be able to fix things. In Acts 17, verse 28, it says, For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own uh, poets have said, we are his offspring. You see, God created us all in his image to think for ourselves, using our own heads to problem solve, to have our own free will, to live, to move, to do life independently. But he knew that we also need him for everything too. Yet so often, you know, when we're doing anything, God doesn't even enter our heads. So even, yeah, the everyday mundane stuff. You know, we just think that we can do it and we just get on to do it. Of course, until the moment when we think that we have failed or we can't do it by ourselves, we then realise that, okay, maybe we just need somebody's help. And then, only then, do we turn to God. 
And then we also know that we should have done that right from the very beginning. But I'm glad that God is always there for us, even when we make mistakes and even when we doubt our own abilities. In Psalm 94, 19, it says, When doubt filled my mind and when my heart is in turmoil, you quietened me with comfort, giving me renewed hope and cheer. I think that's great, isn't it? In those times when we think we've made mistakes or wrong choice, God won't reprimand us. He's waiting for us to come to him where he will comfort us and give us a new hope and encourage us to go on. In Romans 8.1, it says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Don't you just love that about God? It's usually our own thoughts that beat us up, not God. We condemn ourselves for our wrongdoings and mistakes. So the best thing we need to do is remember God before we start anything praying and committing everything to him. The reason that we usually fail with our own good intentions is because we don't truly depend on God. So before we start anything, we need to just try and start committing it to him. For any situation, for any life challenge, any, yeah, just about, um, yeah, even a life um, change, a lifestyle, you know, moving from one state to another. We need to turn to God first. God says in Zechariah 4, 6, don't depend on your own power and strength, but on my spirit. You know, we need God's spirit in every situation that we face. We need, to, we need really to, for God to be our first port of call. Proverbs 3, 5 to 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. So when we acknowledge God first, he will smooth out all those speed bumps in the road, clearing any debris that might be around and he will make that path straight for us. Psalm 37, verse 5. So first of all, I'm going to read it in the New Living Translation. It says, Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him, and he will help you. And in the Message Version, it says, Open up before God. Keep nothing back. He'll do whatever needs to be done. So God is just waiting there. He's just waiting for absolutely everything that, you know, he wants us just to come to him with absolutely everything. He doesn't want us to worry about anything and he doesn't want us to hold anything back because his nature is loving, caring and nurturing. He so wants us to trust him all the time. He wants us to tell him about absolutely everything that's going on in our lives. Proverbs 16.3 says, Commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. That was the New Living Translation, but I found our sort has got this new translation on it and it's called Easy to Read Version. And it says, Turn to the Lord for help 
in everything you do and you will be successful. Now, I think that you'd all agree with me that we all want to be successful, don't we? I mean, we, none of us start something thinking that we're going to fail. God doesn't give us dreams that he won't help us with. He won't even give us dreams that are going to cause us stress. So listen to what it says in Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 to 30. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. So, like I said before, God is interested in everything we do. In every decision or every problem that we face, because he so wants us to be successful with everything that we lay our hands on. And I think that's just, it's just so encouraging of God. He doesn't, want us, he doesn't leave us to our own devices. He's always there waiting for us just to call upon him. Matthew 6, 33, it says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Now, as I was um, thinking of what to put in my message today, I had um, the um, scripture about the the cedars of Lebanon just drop into my heart. So I'm going to um, read Ezekiel 31, 3 to 9. Consider Assyria, once a cedar in Lebanon, with beautiful branches overshadowing the forest, It towered on high, its top above uh, the thick foliage. The waters nourished it. Deep springs made it grow tall. Their streams flowed all around its base and sent their channels to all of the trees of the field. So it towered higher than all the trees of the field. Its boughs increased and its branches grew long spreading because of abundant waters. All the birds of the air nested in its boughs. All the beasts of the fields gave birth under its branches. All the great nations lived in its shade. It was majestic in beauty with its spreading boughs, for its roots went down to abundant waters. The cedars in the garden of God could not rival it, nor could the pine trees equal its boughs, nor could the plane tree compare with its branches. No tree in the garden of God could match its beauty. I made it beautiful with abundant branches, the envy of all the trees of Eden in the garden of God. In verse 3 of Isaiah 61, it says, We are called the trees of righteousness, a planting of the Lord. See, in Ezekiel, it it describes that tree as huge, a huge, strong tree. Its uh, its roots go deep down into the ground. Now, the roots are as deep as 
the branches are wide and it is up above. What you can see above is what goes down. When there is drought, the roots would even go deeper and deeper into the ground until they find more water and nutrients. Without a strong root system, the tree would die. So these scriptures are actually describing how we could be if only we could tell God what is going on in our world before we actually do it. When we tap into the word of God, we then will be live, we live in that river that flows freely from God to us. We too will become strong. God wants us to be so successful and, if, and effective in every area of our lives so that the people around us will come to know him. We need to make sure that our roots are tapped deep into all that God has for us. When we are tapped deep into the river of God, then streams will flow out from us. We need to keep digging into the word of God, praying and communicating with him always. The more we do this, the stronger we will become. Our faith will increase and God will be able to speak to us and guide us more clearly. And people all around us, they will flock to us for safety and help as well. His light will be shining so strong and bright in our lives that everyone that we meet will be able to see it. And we won't be able to hide that light and we shouldn't hide that light. Let God be seen in our lives with everything that we do so he can be given the glory, not us. He'll be given the glory and he'll be exalted and widely known. In Matthew 5, 17 to 16, it says, or it tells us that, that we are the light of the world, a city on a hill, so don't hide our light. Now, I have a, a few little um, points or tips for, for you to take away with you today. And hopefully that you're able to just grasp hold of these and so then you'll be able to be planted just like the great cedars of Lebanon. So I, kept, I just pray that you um, capture God's heart here. So my first point is pray and be thankful for everything. Now I've decided first thing in the morning before getting out of bed, I pray. Now, when I wake up in the morning, I'm not one of these happy people that just dive out of bed going, oh, good morning, yeah, what a great day. It takes me a little while to wake up. So while I'm lying there, I, I just thought, well, it's such a great opportunity for me just to pray, and then I know that I can wake up. So I first spend time praising God, I thank him for being in my life. I pray for his strength in my life. I thank him for doing great works in me. I thank him for everything we have. I thank him for being with me throughout the coming day. I thank him for helping me with every challenge, for every decision, and being with me in every conversation. I also pray for Pastor Gary um, and our family and Whatever else comes into my head, I, I would pray for it. 
I pray in tongues and like um, when I knew that I stuck my hand up to preach today, I prayed really hard because like Pastor Gary says, this is not one of my, um, you know, joys. I wouldn't put my hand up going, oh, yeah, every week going, oh, yeah, I'll have the mic, give it to me. No, that's not, that's not me at all. So, of course, I just pray really hard <laughs> that, yeah, I've got something good for you to, yeah, to listen to. Now, of course, some days I don't always wake up um, easily. <laughs> so um, some days I might have to get out of bed immediately or just some days I might not have had a very good sleep. So, so I do struggle sometimes to pray, but even if it's a quick prayer. I mean, I committed myself to just, yeah, to pray in the morning. So, yeah, even if it's just a tiny little prayer, I, um, I, I determined to do that. And I, um, a friend of mine had posted, uh, she happens to be a wife of a pastor too, but she posted something on Facebook the other week and I thought, oh, that will go with my message. And, but I couldn't figure out where, where it came from because she just had a picture of it, but it didn't really say what... Um, what the actual scripture was. So I had to go searching for it and I found it was in the Passion Translation. That's why I'd never heard it like this before. And it says, so sorry, I better give you what it is. It's Psalm 5 verse 3 and it says, At each and every sunrise you will hear my voice as I prepare my sacrifice of prayer to you. Every morning I lay out pieces of my life on the altar and wait for your fire to fall upon my heart. See, that's what I do in the morning. I lay it all out before God. And I, yeah, just wait for him and, yeah, I pray and, uh, and thank him. And that's why I put them together because I think um, praying and thanking God sort of like go hand in hand because we always need to be thanking God in every prayer because it actually says it in the Bible too. Colossians 4 verse 2, it says, Be earnest and unwearied and steadfast in your prayer, being both alert and intent in your praying with thanksgiving. Now also, Pastor Gary and I would pray quite often, so if something pops up during the day, we pray together. And one thing at the moment um, two, we pray last thing at night together. So we, um, yeah, sort of lay it all out again and, yeah, just pray for each other and pray for whatever else is going on. Praying gives God permission to work in our lives. Did you know that? <laughs> so that was my first point, prayer and thanksgiving. Point two, read God's word. I must confess I'm not a huge fan of reading, so it takes me a while to, you know, I sort of like struggle just to force myself to read even the Bible. So I, I'm not one of these could sit down like my husband for hours on end just devouring books upon books. 
it, um, yeah, I, just a little bit of reading, that will be fine for me. But, you know, sometimes we beat ourselves up. We, we think that we need to sit there because, yeah, because my husband reads, I'm thinking oh, I might think, oh, I'm not a very good Christian because I'm not reading, you know, like chapters of the Bible every day. But we don't have to force ourselves to um, read like that. It's whatever God um, places on our hearts. And just as long as we just maybe even just read one piece of scripture. And if, if it's, um, we might be able to think about it, you know, like during the day. And we are still then spending time with God, reading his word. And, um, yeah, we're not getting stressed about, you know, oh, I didn't read all that chapter. But um, I also do my devotions before I eat breakfast. But that also is entirely up to you. In 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, Every part of scripture is God-breathed and useful in one way or another, showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, and training us to live God's way. I just love the way it says, or Timothy said, that God exposes, or God's word exposes our rebellion and corrects our mistakes. So don't you think just maybe too, he tried to do things without God's help. And um, yeah, so he wrote it down, saying, look, this is what you need to do because I'm, I'm trying to teach you. I made mistakes so I'm putting it out there for you too. Now, many years ago, Pastor Gary um, got us to do journals by using a soap method. Now, I found out one of my very first ones because it actually has the instructions on how to do it. But um, journaling like this is really good way of doing it and SOAP actually stands for scripture, observation, application and prayer. So you, you get a, a diary or a notebook or whatever that you use only solely for journaling <laughs> and um, now they, these ones that we first got given they had the date and the title and the page all at the top and so you just write it underneath. But, of course, um, not all diaries do that. We, but that was what we did first of all. So what um, the SOAP method does, you write down a scripture that you read that spoke to you and what you observed about that scripture, how to apply that to your life, and then you write down a quick prayer that whatever was in um, you felt God speaking to you about that was in your heart. So that was, I know, a super quick way of explaining it, but, yeah, that, that's just one thing that, I mean, I love doing because I remember one day I didn't realise that I was on the roster to do communion and getting to church and it was like, oh, you're doing communion today? Oh, I quickly went and took my journal upstairs into Pastor Gary's office and I thought, oh, oh no, 
What am I going to speak on? So I just happened to find something that God had spoken to me that week and I managed to pull it off and nobody ever knew. (laughs) 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 So doing a journal and doing it that way, it's a reference book for, yeah, how God has spoken to you. So, yeah. In Psalm 119, 105, it says, God's word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. You know, I think it is is amazing when you read God's word because there is always something new and encouraging in it. And um, sometimes you might read a verse that you think that is well-known to you, but then all of a sudden you read it one day and it just, you go, oh, I've never seen that before. And it's just so amazing how um, God's word can be fresh and new each and every day. So I just encourage you, you know, just try and read something in God's word. But then like what Hayley said before, she gave one piece of scripture, but she felt God say, no, don't stop there. Read some more. So if you were just to start with one piece of scripture, you never know that, yeah, how God will encourage you to read a little bit more. So that was point two. So that was reading God's word. Point three, setting goals. Sometimes with um, certain tasks, we need to set goals for ourselves. Just like um, with the journal, maybe you think that that that's something that you wouldn't mind doing. Well, first of all, you have to go out and buy the the notebook and a pen. And then you have to slot in a time to be able to sit down and actually read, even if it was just that one piece of uh, scripture, like I said. And, you know... I mean, but you can gradu- if you start off just small, you can gradually increase. Now, I've been doing the Daniel plan for about um, uh, six months. So it's Rick Warren from an American church. Now, one of the first things he says is to set goals, but they're not any goals. They're smart goals. So S is for specific We need to be clear in our head and our prayers to God, what our goals are. M is measurable. We have to make sure it is something sensible that you can actually aim for. It's attainable. Make sure it's realistic and reachable. R is relevant. It must matter to you and it needs to be the right time, worthwhile and bring glory to God. And T is for time-bound because we all need to be able to put a time limit on um, our our goal when our deadline should be just to keep us focused. Ephesians 1.10 says, God's goal was to finish his plan when the right time came. He planned that all things in heaven and on earth be joined together with Christ as head. So, see, setting goals is something that God did himself. 
because it's actually written in his word. So it is, it's really good for us to do something that we see God doing. So goal setting was the third point. Now, um, the last point is share with others. So sharing our life, our goals, our plans, even our struggles is always good practice. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 to 10. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, then the other can reach out and help. But if someone who falls alone, he is in real trouble. It's so much better to do life with friends and not alone. Romans 14 verse 7 says, We don't live or die just for ourselves. You see, God didn't create us to be isolated or live a life alone. Even if we actually don't have anybody living in our house with us, we are to have friends outside. See, friends help us keep on track and accountable. They encourage us and help us to be successful. Friends help by bouncing ideas off. Friends um, keep us company on lonely days. Friends help rub off our rough edges. Friends teach us. Friends can also pray for us. And like um, Kent said, that you know, in hard times, you know, friends can help you as well and they can encourage you. So that was my, um, my last point, so sharing life with others. God so wants us to be strong like those cedars in Lebanon. God wants to work powerfully in our lives. So before doing anything, we need to remember God. Ask God first thing in the morning to journey with you. Ask every day and every, whenever a new task begins, commit it to God with a prayer and being thankful for everything. Read God's word, set goals and share with others. Now I just want to um, end with this last scripture and I'll, um, as I read it, I'll pray over you. So I'll get you to all stand up and um, when you're all standing, I'll, I'll, I'll pray. It's um, Ephesians three fourteen to 21 and the actual title of the scripture is A Prayer for Spiritual Strength. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resource, he will empower you with inner strength through his Holy Spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all people should, how wide, how long, how high and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ though it is too great to fully understand. 
Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now, all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So thank you, everyone.